Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. It's on the Beatitudes. It's, ma- it's based off of Matthew 4, 5, and 6, um, which is the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. There's never been a preacher that has come close to preaching as good as this message in Matthew 4, 5, and 6. And so if you want to know what Jesus would preach, go to Matthew 4, 5, and 6 and read it and, uh, and allow it to become a part of you. There's so many rich things to be had here. And so we're going to try just to unpack a little bit of this, certainly not adding to it, but just trying to get a little bit more understanding as we, you know, as we, as we read such a great sermon and we share such a great sermon. So um, an attitude is this, that anything that is born in the heart that, that causes a person to take action on. And so we know that people can have good attitudes, good attitudes, good attitudes. We can have good attitudes and we can have bad attitudes, but the idea is for us to be changed in the image and likeness of God in such a way that our attitudes become more like Jesus, that we handle situations like him because we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, living and dwelling in each of us. Somebody say amen. Thank you for the spirit of the Lord. Amen. We need more of the spirit of the Lord. Amen. I want you to know that there's more of God's spirit that is available to you. I believe that he just keeps giving and keeps giving and keeps giving. We're all given a measure of faith. We're given a measure of the spirit of God. But I'm telling you, you can be a person that can ask for more of God's spirit. Just be careful what you ask for because he is faithful and just to give it to you. Amen. All right, so um, there's two observations when we look at the language. The language is this, blessed are, and then there's a blank, and then there is for theirs will, or for they, for theirs is, or for they will. And basically what this breaks down to is blessed means where true happiness comes from. True happiness comes from these people that do A, B, and C. And so the word blessed is the word makarios, which is Greek for the word happy. I don't like this translation. I'm just going to tell you, I wrestle with this translation. I think there's a difference between joy and happiness, but this is the proper translation. So basically what it's saying is happy um, are the people that do whatever it is that it says. And then it says for theirs is, and this shows the potential of what can be yours when you follow God's word, okay? I know that's super confusing, but just follow with me. So in today's message, um, the, the key scripture is Matthew 5 and verse 4. And so it says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be com- uh, comforted. So if we're looking at the same makarios, the definition, you could read this, happy are those who mourn. And, and, I, and I struggle with this because basically what it's saying is, is happy are the sad. And that is a contradiction. Happy are the sad. And, and, and it can, we, can, we can wrestle with this. But I really believe that the meaning is, is that God shows up in unique ways on our most difficult of days. God will show up in special ways that you will not experience God unless you're going through troubled times. 
And I'm telling you that there are many Christians that are, that are blood-bought, born-again. They're going to heaven Christians. They believe in Jesus. It's by grace you're saved through faith, not of works lest anyone should boast. John 3, 16, God so loved the world, anybody that believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. They're going to heaven. But still, we can be on our way to heaven but miss some of the benefits that are available to us on the earth. And there are people that go through difficult times and they're mourning and they're mourning, but they've never taken the step to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and trust God in and through their mourning. What they do is, is there are people that are saved going to heaven. They, they choose to deal with it themselves. And this is very, very dangerous. In fact, I would say that, that there are those, and this is a true thing. There are people that mourn and they grieve, and then there are super mourners. There are those people that that, that grief, it leads into very dangerous areas like, like depression and, 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 and isolation. And, and I'm telling you this, that in our grief and in our mourning, God wants to show up and show himself faithful to you, just like he does in the good times. Amen. And God is present, and some people experience this amazing love and this, this amazing peace that only comes from God in the worst of their days, and other people, they do not. And so we're going to try to look at this a little bit more. So this is a serious message, and I murdered the first joke, and so I'm going to try to murder another joke. I'm not really good at joke telling, but there was this one pastor, and and he was wanting to, you know what I'm saying, he's an evangelist and he just wants everybody to go to heaven. And so he goes to this biker rally and he gets up on his soapbox and he's just preaching. And he's sharing God's word and, and he's talking about eternity and he's talking about heaven and hell. And he just gives the first altar call and he says, listen, if you want to go to heaven, just come over here and stand on this on this side of the room and 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 so a few people come over and he's like man oh man you guys just don't understand like hell is a real place it's not for you god has something better for you he wants you to spend eternity do you know how long eternity is and so he gives another altar call and then a few more guys go over and he just keeps doing this he's not willing that any should perish because god's not willing that any should perish and he just keeps giving these these opportunities to receive jesus and for people to go to heaven and there's one last guy there he's like listen sir what don't you get he's like he's like when you die I want you to go to heaven he's like oh I didn't know you were talking about when I died I thought you were going to take a group of us up right now and I'm not ready to go right now I know that's terrible too at least you guys laughed a little bit more than my first joke I'm not a very good joke teller but I sure have fun so the Beatitudes are kind of a, this is a heavier kind of topic, so thank you for that. Um, the Beatitudes are countercultural. And it's not just countercultural from a secular standpoint or a worldly standpoint. I'm telling you, the Beatitudes are countercultural to even a lot of churches. How many of you know that churches can have bad theology? Right? We can, we can adopt things that are just not that are just not biblical. And it's always important for us to be checking, is this, is this proper or is it, is it not proper? And so one bad theology is this, is that there is a lot of people, and I'm telling you, if you don't think this is true, just trust me. There are a lot of people that think that the bad things should never happen to good people. 
And, the, I'm, and I'm talking about people in the church because when bad things happen to good people in the church, I hear from church-going folks, man, if God's so good, why, why do bad things happen to good people? First of all, it's really bad theology if you think that you're a good person because you're not a good person. In fact, Jesus himself, and you got to get this. I'm not trying to be mean to you, but you're not a good person. It, just because you don't do what it is that you used to do, and, and we classify, you know what I mean, at least I'm not doing that, like the Pharisee, you know, saying, man, at least I'm not that guy over there. Be careful with the religious spirit, man, because, because you, can, you, can, you can get it wrong being right. There's a lot of people that get it wrong, you know what I mean, being better than, than how they were, but there is nothing good about you. That you are so bad, there is nothing good about you except for Jesus Christ in your life, period. Jesus himself was called good, and he's like, why do you call me good? Because, and this is 100% God and 100% man, but he was in the flesh, and he brought correction to people that were calling him good. Why do you call? There's only one good, and that's my Father who's in heaven. And so be careful with that, but... but um, but we think that bad things should never happen to good people. What happens when bad things, when that's your theology, when bad things happen to good people or what you would consider to be good? There's major disappointment. And there are people, there are full churches that believe that in receiving Jesus Christ, you know what I mean, you never should go through sickness and you should have a million, million and a half bucks in the bank. You know what I mean? All the time. And if you don't, then your faith just is broken or something is, is, is wrong. And I'm telling you, this is dangerous theology. And while we are blessed and while we, I believe, are some of the most blessed people since the creation of time, as far as God's provision being here in the United States, there are few cultures and people groups that have it as well as you and I have it right now. And so God is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides every need in abundance for us. But this broken theology doesn't work except in the United States of America. And it's wrong. And whenever you take that stance, then when bad things come happening and knocking on your door and you're experiencing things, it causes confusion because you've been told that, man, by being a, a faith-filled person and, and, and that God just wants you to prosper and, 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 and everything that you tell, when that doesn't happen, what happens is, 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 is it hurts people in, in deep and serious ways. And so, so, um, so we need to stay away from that. Hebrews 11 is filled with God's miracles. We see the sea opening up and we see dead people being raised again to life. How many would like to see that again? Like I would really love to see, I would love to, to see God move in such a way in this church, in my lifetime, when somebody comes in here with a wheelchair and is able to stand and, 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 and walk out of here. Like, I believe that God can do that. I don't know why we're not seeing that, but there's a whole lot of... This, I'm going a completely different way, but I'm just going to trust in it. There's a lot of garbage out there, folks where you've got people that are manipulating things and seeing legs grow and, 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 and things like that, and they're all over the place. Can God do this? Yeah, absolutely. But, but man, how about we see, we, we see things that can't be manipulated? 
Like somebody that everybody in this place knows is paralyzed and their legs don't work. And how about, how about having faith enough for that instead of just, just seeing something, well, that could have been God and it might not have been God. It probably wasn't. There's a lot of people that are manipulating things in the world today to make things look like there's supernatural, miraculous things that are happening, but yet they will not touch things that they know God will not move in. How about we be the people that have enough faith to believe and pray for those that it's like, man, unless God shows up here, then, then we're not going to see anything different. And, and But yet still have faith enough to pray that God, but not be afraid, you know what I mean, just because, well, what's that going to make? It doesn't matter what we look like. It's about him and him being glory. I'm just saying, guys, we live in a, in a very interesting time. And if you bite on everything that looks good, you might just be biting on the wrong thing. Everything that people that are in the church, just because they're presenting something to you does not mean that it's right and good for you. There are a lot of people that are being misled right now. And we don't want to be counted amongst those that do not have faith. And so we're just like, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. I just don't want to be counted. But I'm telling you, how about we start believing for true and real and powerful and undeniable miracles to happen in people's lives? Come on, we see marriages restored like that. I, I can't even tell you how many marriages we've seen in the 12th hour that are going strong and well today. They were, they were the 12th hour. They were ready to give up on their marriage, but now they're still committed and they're grateful. Come on. My marriage is one of those. God has done a miracle in my marriage and I wouldn't want to be with anybody else on the planet. And I'm, 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 man, I'm getting way off course here. I'm just telling you that we serve a miracle making God and we don't have to fudge things to see, to see him at work. We don't, have to, we don't have to make things look a certain way. And so, my goodness, where in the world? So there's incredible things that are happening in Hebrews 11. It says, but there were also others, and he's talking about the church here. There were others that were tortured, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better. Somebody say something better. There's something better that God had for the multitudes that these poor folks didn't get what they were promised. God had something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. And somebody says, that's not fair. These people were faithful. They did all the right things that they knew to do, right? They trusted in God. They were faithful. They, they did all these things, but yet they were tortured and persecuted. You see, people that are, are fans of the name it, claim it gospel, they'll read the first part of Hebrews 11, and they'll put this, they'll just, they'll stop reading. They don't, they don't read the whole chapter, because it doesn't fit within the, the framework of what it is that they're trying to share. Listen, just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. In fact, you, you may stand up and have a, a big bullseye painted on your back. And 
that maybe that's when your troubles really begin, but guess what? It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it, the hardship. And I'm telling you this, that we don't want fair because fair is getting what you deserve. And I don't know about you, I do know about you, but you may not know this about yourself, that you're living a better life than what you deserve. You might think, well, I'm a self-made man, or I'm a, you know, I'm just, man, I went to school and I studied real hard. You don't deserve the life that you have been given. What you deserve is something far less than the blessings that you're experiencing experiencing in your life and I'm talking to the whole of you I'm not talking to the top one-third that are that are making the most money here I'm talking about the entirety of you that are sitting here you do not deserve the blessings that you're that you're walking in right now well man what is wrong with pastor he just mad at us all no I'm trying to give you a reality bite of, 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 of just how good God is to us. He gives us far more than what it is that we deserve. If you received what you deserve, then it would be up to you to pay for your own sin. And let me tell you, sir and ma'am, that you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. And so many of God's blessings are also, they're going to be experienced in heaven not just here on the earth. Thank God we get to experience a lot of God's blessings here and he's got good things for us, but ooh, I think we're gonna be surprised at how much we fought to stay here. And I encourage you, keep fighting to stay here because there's work that needs to be done here. But boy, when we step into heaven and experience what that's gonna be like, we're gonna be like, wow. It's gonna be beautiful and amazing, right? Amen. So also, before you... Or I just want to say this. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and read this. Read this. Uh, James chapter. No. Number two is this. All right. We also think, and this is a misunderstanding, we think that pain always means that something is wrong. We ask, well, what did I do? What did I do to deserve this? And I'm telling you that you're going to go through painful situations even when you didn't do anything wrong. Well, that's not fair. Once again, we don't want fair. Um, James chapter 1 and verse 2 says this, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. I've never seen this passage of Scripture on a refrigerator. I can tell you that. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. And so I want you to know that in the middle of your most difficult days, in the middle of your testing what this passage of scripture says is that God is developing you. How many of you know that God's a developer? Come on, he's a creator, he's a builder, he's a developer. And before you go on and judge him, please know this, that because you're created in the image and likeness of God, you're a developer as well. You're a creator as well. And if you don't think so, if you've got children, let's just say one morning you get up and it's a school morning, and you get up and you, you, you got out of bed at 6.30 and, and you know to get your kids, you know what I mean, to school on time by 8 or 7.45 or whenever it is, that they need to be up no later than 7 o'clock. And so, so 7.20 rolls by, 7.25 rolls by and you don't hear any wrestling, you don't hear any arguing, which is indicative of your kids being awake, you know what I mean, sharing the bathroom on that side of the house. And so you go back over to that side of the house to where their bedrooms are. You peek your head into the room and your children are still snuggled in their bed 
and they're just sleeping and they're so peaceful and, and you are so kind and you're like, you don't want to disturb them. You don't want to wake them, but you're like, hey guys, you're at the door. Hey guys, guys, psst, psst, psst. hey, hey guys, are we going to go to school today? Or are you guys just going to take the day off? Are we going to go to school? Or are you just going to, are we just going to sleep in today? It's fine with me. Whatever you want to do is totally fine with me. Do parents do that? Heck no. You're like, get up out the bed. It's 7.20. You know what time it is? Get up. They're like, ah, but we don't want to go to school. I don't care what you want to do because you as a parent, you're developing them. You don't want them to build these traits and these bad habits of sleeping in when there's work that needs to be done, Right? And so before you start judging God about developing us through the hard things that we don't want to do, you do the very same thing. First Peter chapter 6 says this, so be glad when there's, be glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. And I believe that's during this life is how I would interpret that, but maybe not. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is so being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong, even through the difficult times of the trials, it will bring you much praise. And, and this praise word, it, it seemed a little out of place. And so I looked it up. It means in, inner fulfillment. And so when you remain strong, even in the most difficult times, you're going to feel like you're going to feel like the strength in the presence of God. You're going to be like, man, God, thank you for, for keeping me strong um, during, that, during that time. And glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Um, when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world, it could be one of two things or both. It could mean the second coming of Jesus Christ. How many of you know he's coming back? And, and we're going to be grateful that we, we remained in him and strong in him when he returns. But I also believe that this could mean when lost people come to know him as well. And they come to know him through how you live your life. And guess what? People particularly play, pay attention to your life when they know that you're going through a hardship, a difficult time, and you handle it differently than people that do not have a relationship with Jesus handle it, right? And how many of you know that God's able to use even that to bring people to a place of surrender to him? John Maxwell is, is one of the greatest um, uh, experts in the area of leadership. I've read uh, quite a few of his books. I've been to some simulcasts and some just the guy's phenomenal. Incredible author, incredible speaker, but sometimes people don't realize that he's an amazing evangelist as well. And John Maxwell has led so many people to the Lord. And this is his... This is his um, this is his recipe for evangelism. This is how, how easy it is. John Maxwell, when, he, when he's talking to somebody that is going through a difficult time, a hardship, let's just say they lost somebody or they lost a job, whatever, it doesn't matter. It, it, it works for every situation. And he genuinely cares about people. This is the number one thing. He genuinely has compassion for people. He'll listen to their story and he will say this. He will say, I am so sorry that you're going through this difficult time. And I feel 
you know, I feel your pain. You're going through this difficult time. But this is what he says. He says, I wish you could experience the peace and the joy that I have. And of course, they stop and they're just like, well, what do you mean this peace and this joy? And it opens the door for him to share what Jesus Christ has done in his life. And then he also shares some difficult times that the Lord has helped him through. And so, but his, his whole thought process is, I wish, I wish you could experience the joy and the peace that I have. And it opens the door, and it's incredible. How many of you know that in the most difficult days, there's peace available to you? In fact, the Bible calls it a peace that doesn't even make sense. Like, it doesn't even make sense that you should have peace, that you should have the joy of the Lord, but you do. And I'm telling you, I have personally experienced this in my own life. And so God's not a respecter of persons, and so that means that everybody else can experience the same thing that I've experienced, and that is the closeness of God, the power of God, the love of God, the peace of God. Amen. The joy of the Lord. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Rick Warren, pastor of one of the biggest churches in the United States of America, Saddleback Church. Um, he had a son that had battled depression all the way. I think he was 13 years old. He started maybe 11 years old when he, when he started fighting this, this, uh, this uh, mental health and, and inner, inner struggle. And Pastor Rick and his wife were able to get him the best help that money could buy. Pastor Rick had sold a lot of books and money's not an issue. And so they literally reached out to all kinds of people to get their son help and, and it helped for many years. He was fighting this for many years, but he ended up taking his own life. I think he was at the age of 27, maybe maybe 29 years old, but, uh, but it was tragic. And and beautiful things have come out of this, like Pastor Rick and his wife, they've, they've declared that we are going to, they, they as a church are going to learn more about mental illness, mental health, and, and, and they just really have said that they felt like the church has come up short in this area. So now churches all over the place are listening to their story and and, um, and, and, and gleaning information that they have learned through this tragedy. And it's just getting, it's helping, it's helping people. Well, Pastor Rick um, talks about six stages that every grieving person should go through, but most grieving people only go through the first three stages. I also just want to put a, a plug in here real quick, that if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, we have an incredible, incredible ministry here at Grace Church that my wife actually leads. And I want you to know that my wife has experienced tremendous loss in her life. And it's amazing how God will use our brokenness to help other people with their brokenness. And so there's been a lot of healing that's taken place in her loss. And, and now God positions her to lead a grief share group. And I'm just saying that if you want some help with your grief, we have, uh, we've just seen God do some you know, things, nothing shy, nothing shy of miracles in people's lives. And, and grief is an ongoing deal, but I just want you to know that we have that available. And um, please talk to my wife if you've got interest in that. But Pastor Rick says that there's six stages. The first stage is shock. This is when we get the phone call. And we're never ready for the phone call. There's been an accident or, or you know, or you know we thought so-and-so was turning a corner, but has, has passed and, and, and they're not. They're not here anymore. And so you can never prepare for the shock, but that's the first stage. And this first stage can be very dangerous for people, especially if they're alone, if they don't have anybody 
you know what I mean, just to, just to be present and, and help walk them through that. And this is why being connected to the church and, and having real friends is, is super important. People that are isolated, this can be the very thing that, that, that robs from their life. And so now you've got one loss, not just one loss, but you've got two people that have stopped living. The second stage of grief is sorrow, and this is profound sadness. This is the mountain kind of illustration that you can't go over it, you can't go around it, you literally have to go through it. And when you're grieving, while you can have support and you should have support, unfortunately, there's a lot of things that you're just going to have to get through on your own. But guess what? You're never alone because the Lord is always there. Amen. And once again, there are many people that go through hardships, but they never experience the power and the presence of God because they do not lean on God in their most difficult days. They try to cope with it themselves. Either they try to self-medicate or they isolate or, or they go back to drinking. They go back. There's a lot of people that will go back to old ways whenever hardships hit. And so the third is struggle. And these are the why stages of grief. Why me? And why now? And why is this happening? And guess what? You will never have an answer to most of the why questions. And even if you did have the answer, an explanation as to why something happened is not going to take away the sadness and the grief. It's going to be there. And so thank God that he draws close. Come on. He comforts those who mourn. The presence of God will comfort you in this, in this place of mourning. So these are the first three that pretty much everybody goes through, but there's three other stages that not everybody goes through. And I want you to know these stages are available to you. The fourth stage is the stage of surrender. This is when we come to a place and we realize that, that God, I don't understand this, but I trust in your sovereignty. I trust in you. I need you. You know, I know I'll get a chance to understand this at some point, but I trust in you. And this is a path to peace. The second one is sanctification. Sanctification is a work that takes place in the individual. So you as a griever, you as a mourner, you begin to change because you've been relying on the Lord. The Lord has been showing you. He's been comforting you. He's been giving you peace. And then all of a sudden, you begin to change. You begin to transform. And then the, the sixth and the final thing is service. This is when you take the pain that you have gone through and you begin to serve other people that are going through pain themselves. And this is very, very scriptural. All right? And we'll draw down on this. The third bad theology is this. We think that we know what's best. Have you ever done that? It's like, man, you know, God's being God and you're just like, I just don't understand this and and he's not doing a really good job of, of being God. God, you're just doing it wrong. And I've used this illustration so many times before, but ladies, I want to talk to you. I want to take you all the way back to your high school days. And you saw that, you saw that basketball star on the court, and you just liked the way he moved. And, and he was just really, really smart and, and good-looking, and he was the kindest person. And, and you're like, man, I need him. I really, really want that guy. That's the guy that I want to spend the rest of my life with. And you were even praying. You were like, God, give him an eye for me. And then all of the sudden, 
you know what I mean? He gets hooked up with somebody else and, and, um, and they get married. And then all of a sudden you've done forgot about it. You've gotten married yourself and you're going back to your 30 year, 40 year reunion. And you see that guy and you're like, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful that you didn't give me what I wanted. See, we think we know what we need. We think that what we want is best, but that's not always the case. We often tell God what is best. And God's like, no, you don't understand. Isaiah 55 and verse 8 says this, This plan of mine is not what you would choose. Neither are my thoughts the same as your thoughts. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so um, some of the most difficult times to really have understanding is when a young person dies, right? Somebody dies before their, somebody goes to heaven before, before their, their time. And I'm just telling you this, that as a pastor and answering the call to the ministry, this was my biggest fear was actually doing funeral services and helping you know, helping couples through grief that have lost uh, loved ones. And so God's given me, it's crazy, that's the biggest thing that I feared, and he has given me a celebration of life ministry or a funeral ministry. I do probably more funerals than anybody, any other pastor that I know. There are pastors that do five funerals in their lifetime. I think the most I've done in a month is six. In a month, I've done... I was thinking about this this morning, probably 150 funerals in my, I don't know why, but people that I don't even know, they say, we would love for you to do the funeral. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but, but I'm grateful to do it. But I'm telling you the most hard, the biggest hardship that I deal with is, is whenever a young, a young person passes or even a young adult that has tons and tons of life you know, to give when they pass in, it just doesn't make sense. I remember I'd only been here a few months and Diedrich, he was 14, 13, I think he was 14, 15, he was 15 years old and, um, and uh, he had passed. If you knew Diedrich, man, this kid was full of so much, he just had such a good character and he had a smile that literally had these big white teeth that when he would smile, he was just good-looking kid, and it would just literally light up the whole room. Well, I had personal connection because my wife and I, we brought all of our kids here, and Diedrich was, was years older than, than our boys, and my boys would look up to Diedrich, and literally it's like this kid was a hero. This, this young man would drive, he lived in Twin, and he would drive from Twin Falls all the way to Rupert, every Wednesday just to come to youth group. And guess what? He would bring his younger siblings as well, most of the time. Well, he had come after football practice. He went to Lighthouse uh, uh, Christian School, and, and he come after football practice and, and comes to youth and had a great you know, youth, and he was driving home, and he ended up getting in an accident, and, and it took his life. And, um, and I remember Jay giving me a call, and I run down, and I meet with Jay and Nicole, and, and I'm like, man, what do you say? What do you say to a parent? What do you say to a parent that has just lost their... You can't say anything that's going to make anything better, but you're there and you're present and you're, and you're praying and you're just there and they know that they're, they're not alone. And so it matters. And then I take a look at, 
I take a look at Sarah Weimer. Sarah Weimer has more energy at her age before she passed than, than most little kids. In fact, there was nothing more special than to see Sarah leading kids in worship. Man, she could get those kids jumping up and down, even when she was sick. And, and she went on a, a, a you know, she, stinking cancer. She went on a mission trip with us. And, and man, she was just so used and so vibrant. And God gave her the energy. And she wasn't, she wasn't feeling good. But when she passed, I thought, man, if anybody's going to live, it's going to be Sarah. She's got so much life to give, Right? So much life left to give, and she passed, and it's like, man, I just don't, I don't understand this. So what, how do we get understanding? What do we say to people that, have, that, have gone, that are going through their, their strongest, their worst days? Isaiah 57.1, and I encourage you to write this down because it's super powerful. It says this, good people pass away, and it says that the godly often die before their time. But no one seems to care or wonder why. No one seems to understand that God is protecting them from the evil to come. You see, God doesn't cause us to get sick. He doesn't cause bad things to happen. He doesn't tempt us. But I'm telling you, he can use the very things that the enemy brings against us for his good. And there are some people, because my Bible says it and my Bible is true, that there are some people that die before their time for God to keep them from the evil that is to come. And while that may not bring comfort at the moment, thank God that he knows things that we do not know. And, and thank God that we can learn to lean on him and trust in him. So why did it happen? I have no idea why these things happen. But this is what I do know. And I want you to pay attention just real quick. Let me see you. I know this, that while I don't have the answer as to why people go too soon, I know this, that when you get to heaven and you ask God, you're going to be satisfied. You're going to be happy with the answer that he gives you. You're going to be grateful that that thing happened whenever you understand all things. And he's a, you're going to be satisfied with his answer. As hard as it is to walk through today, Come on, you'll be okay with what he tells you. So imagine having the very worst day, the worst day of all days that you can have. What should we do? I'm going to give you three things. I want to read you a passage of scripture here real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 3, it says this. Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from him. So listen, God's plan is not for us to have easy lives. God's plan is for him to comfort us in our hardships and that we may turn around and comfort other, others as they go through hardships as well. For just as we share in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So listen... I may not have gone through all the hardships and the difficulty that you're going through, but I can tell you somebody who has, and that's the Apostle Paul. I encourage you to read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and be thankful that that day, which was his day, is not your day. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8 says this, We were under great pressure, the Apostle Paul said, far beyond our ability to endure, 
so that we despaired life itself. Indeed, we felt like that we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but we would rely on God who has raised the dead, who, re who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. And so say this with me. He delivered us in the past. He's delivering us today. And he'll deliver us in the future. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor God granted us in answer to the prayers of many. So when you're going through a bad day, I want to give you three things. Number one, you got to focus. Number two, you got to remember. And number three, you got to rely. I'm going to break these down. You got to focus, you got to remember, and you got to rely. Number one is you got to focus on what's happening in me, not to me. And, and oftentimes when we have bad things that are happening to us, we, we shift our focus as to why is this happening to me? I don't want this to happen. And once again, we, we, our biggest, you know, our biggest directive is to get rid of the pain. And I'm just telling you that there's something to be learned in the pain. I want you to know that if something is happening to you, God is wanting to do something in you and ultimately through you. There's something that he is working out. There's some growth that's taking place. Second Corinthians chapter one says this in verse nine, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but trust in God, right? How often do we, do we just rely on ourselves? And so when you're going through the, the worst of days, like the first thing that you should pray is, God, why is this happening to me? What do you wanna show me? What do you wanna do through me? And the sooner that you can get to praying those kind of prayers and being genuine with the prayers, come on, the sooner you're gonna to begin to experience the healing of God. Our pain is either a restraint that imprisons us or it's a school that shapes us. Number two is this, remember. Remember what? Remember that God always delivers. And I'm telling you that if you look back at your own past, your own history, you will see that God has been faithful there and he's been faithful there and he's been faithful there. And there's you have given testimonies of the faithfulness of God but yet when we face sometimes new troubles, it's amazing how we have short-term memory loss, even long-term memory loss. We, are, we fail to remember the faithfulness of God in our lives. It's our story. He was faithful to you and he was faithful to me. I've been praying with some men on Thursday nights from 10 o'clock till midnight. And, and I'm telling you, there have been so many stories that have come out of this. Just this last week, Rick Tundag was just telling us, and, and you know, no details, but he was just telling us that he was up against a real hardship, a, a, a difficult thing. And he was like, God, unless you show up, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And guess what? God showed up. God showed up because God is faithful. And that's what he does is, is he shows up, right? It's the big things and it's the little things. What's crazy is, is I went to our church board a year ago and I said, hey, listen, our well was put in in the 70s. We might think about changing out our well. A year ago, it was approved. 
we couldn't get the truck here. The truck was broke down. There was always a reason why we couldn't get the, 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 the guy out here to drill. Well, finally, he comes out here and drills, and he's out here the week before Mother's Day. I'm gone Mother's Day. Jane is given a great word on, on Mother's Day. And what's crazy is, is Monday after Mother's Day, we had the well drilled, everything, the pump installed. All we had to do is connect the, the well to the building. That was it. The guy was coming in to do that. No big deal. It's coming Monday. Sunday on Mother's Day, second service, this service, the well, the old well goes out. Halfway through the second service, there's no water. You think that's a coincidence? I feel like God was saying, listen, I just wanted this well to go out so you could know that I am providing for you. Because this is the deal. Had we just switched over from one well to the next, we would have thought we'd have perfect fine well in the ground not being used. But he was so gracious to show us that, let me show you how good my timing is. The very second that you're getting ready to hook up the new well, a year after a whole year after it's been approved by the board and money set aside for it. The very next day is when we're connecting it. I'm gonna show you there was a reason why this thing was put into motion. You thought you were just being smart, but I'm the one that gave you those thoughts and those ideas. And you're not smart, Travis. You're not smart. That's beautiful. That's a little thing, but it's a big thing. It's not by coincidence, not by accident. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, number three is this, rely on good relationships. Second Corinthians chapter one and verse 11 says that God will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Who is the you? The you is the Corinthian church. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, man. Keep praying for us. God's gonna continue to help us as you stand with us in prayer. And I'm telling you guys, that we need one another. There have been times in my life where I've gone through things that I don't know that I'd have gone through had it not been for people, which is the body of Christ. I just came through malaria on, on death's threshold, on life and, you know, where death as we know it, life continues to go on. I wasn't afraid, but I'm telling you, my wife felt the strength of a praying church. I felt the strength of a praying church. It was amazing just even the text messages and the and the calls of people just saying, hey, Tina, we're, we're thinking about you guys. And she was able to get through a very difficult situation because of you. How many times have I been going through a hardship that nobody else knows about? I'm dealing with something and then somebody randomly sends me a text message saying, hey, pastor, don't know what's up. But I'm just thinking about you. I love you, man. Thanks for what you do. And it's exactly what I need for that moment. How many times have we bumped into people? This happens to me all the time, and it's, it's, it's God's design. We bump into them thinking, is this coincidence? No, because they're in a low state, a state of darkness. And then all of a sudden, God brings me into the situation, and I'm able just to shine some light in the darkness. I'm able to maybe even pray for them. This happens to you, too. But I'm telling you, we need one another. We need, we need, it's, it's, it's God's plan that we do better at sharing life together. Loving one another, serving one another. I told first service, guys, it's time we get back to inviting strange people into our homes and having a good meal. 
What do you mean by strange people? People that you don't know. We, our parents used to do this so well, our grandparents. Oh, shoot, just bring them along. Didn't matter that they didn't know them, didn't know anything about them. Just go on, there's gonna be plenty. You know, come on, bring them along. Let's be more hospitable. Let's share life a little bit more together, amen? Come on, blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they're gonna be comforted. Why? Because they're never alone. And there is power and there's love and there's peace and there's joy that is available even in the hardest of days and hardest of times. Let's not be a people that forget God when we need him the most. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being here today. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.